It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, July 2nd, 2021. Thanks for kicking off your holiday weekend with us. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. On tonight's California report, Tuesday, September 14th has been confirmed as the official date for the recall election. The Delta variant has arrived and continues its path of destruction. New COVID-19 cases jumped by 20% in the Bay Area since the state's reopening. And the report investigates fraudulent FEMA aid claims for California wildfires. We'll take a brief look at regional headlines and weather before Felton Pruitt speaks to Wild Eye pub owner Beth Moore. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A date has been set for the recall election targeting Governor Gavin Newsom. With more, here's KQED's Katie Orr. The recall election has been set for Tuesday, September 14th. Candidates looking to challenge Newsom for his seat have about two weeks to officially file for the race. Democratic political consultant Robin Swanson says that relatively short period likely means this election will be different from the 2003 recall of Governor Gray Davis. In that race, 135 candidates flooded the ballot. In this instance, people are going to have to file quickly. They either will have already announced that they are running or they're going to have to do it in the next couple of weeks. The Department of Finance estimates it will cost $276 million to administer the election. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. Let's turn to the pandemic. There are growing concerns about the highly transmissible Delta variant of the coronavirus in Los Angeles County. KPCC health reporter Jackie Fortier has the details. New COVID-19 cases have more than doubled in L.A. since most of the state's coronavirus restrictions were lifted on June 15th. Another wave could become a very real possibility. That's Barbara Ferrer, director of the L.A. County Public Health Department. While the vaccines are highly effective at preventing severe illness and death, Ferrer said it's not yet known if vaccinated people who become infected with the Delta variant and have symptoms such as coughing can spread it to others. Fully vaccinated people may in fact be getting infected with the Delta variant at a higher rate than we've seen with other variants. So we should pay attention to that and we should be cautious. The rise in cases prompted Ferrer to recommend that everyone, including fully vaccinated people, wear face masks indoors in places like grocery stores and movie theaters. About four million people in L.A. are not vaccinated. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, in the Bay Area, new COVID-19 cases have jumped by about 20 percent since the state's June 15th reopening. State and local health officials were expecting a spike in cases as restrictions were lifted. And it is important to note that the numbers are still much lower than the worst days of the winter surge, when the state saw about 100 new cases a day for every 100,000 people. Now we're at three new cases a day. In Sacramento, there's also been seven new COVID cases cases at the state capitol building, all involving the same assembly office, as legislators this week pushed forward with a new budget deal. Those employees are following quarantine recommendations, and people who may have come into contact with those individuals have been notified and are being tested. 
In the wake of California's record-breaking wildfire season last fall, NPR and California affiliate stations have found that the Federal Emergency Management Agency only approved 5% of the applications it received from people for assistance. That's the lowest approval rate for FEMA aid for any California wildfire disaster on record. Sean McMinn is data editor of NPR's investigations team and joins me now to talk about the findings. I've seen these kind of FEMA assistant tents that are set up right after fires. And and that's what we're talking about, right? Where homeowners or people walk up and talk to a FEMA person or I guess go online and do it. Yeah, they added the online option. A lot of people apply online as a mobile app you can do it from. You know, opening it up like that to be able to register for yourself online has, has led to, you know, opportunities for people to take advantage of the program. Can you give us a specific example of a community you covered where the number of claims filed seems suspicious? Yeah, so that's what made it more complicated is we got this data from CAL FIRE. They told us how many homes burned in different parts of the state. And so we're able to compare that to how many people applied for FEMA. And you'd think that it would be roughly equal, right? The number of homes that were lost would be the people who were applying. But it was way higher. Across the state, there was about three and a half to four applications on average from people who said that their homes were damaged versus the number of homes that were damaged. Specifically, we zoomed in on on San Bernardino, which had uh, something like 70 or 80 applications filed on average for each home that was lost. That in and of itself kind of raised a red flag, like why are all these people applying? But then when you zoom in even further, we saw a place like Victorville, which is a city in the desert there. Four people there actually got aid from FEMA But the fire was nowhere near Victorville. It was 30 miles away on the other side of the mountains. This is the El Dorado fire from last year. So we wanted to try to figure out, okay, what's happening here? Is it fraud? Is it something else? And either people did not know or people would not tell us. And Sean, just to hit this nail on the head a little bit more, FEMA declined these applications because it was concerned about fraud? Well, some of them, certainly, we've asked them repeatedly how many that was the case for, and we haven't gotten an answer. But if you're looking at the number of people who applied versus the number of homes that were burned, there's no way that this many people actually had, you know, losses, actually lost their homes. Um, There can be other reasons people are ineligible. However, we have not gotten an explanation on exactly how many of these cases are suspected to be fraudulent. Now, let me give you a little bit of context. If we go up north to Oregon, there was uh, a record-breaking number of homes destroyed there last year by fire as well. 21,000 applications came in for housing assistance. 9,000 of them, FEMA says, were fraudulent. So that's almost half. We don't know if that's the same in California, but it sure does seem like something's going on there. All right. That is NPR's Sean McMinn. Sean, thank you for your work on this and the work of all your colleagues at all the affiliate stations here in California. Thanks all for having me. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food, on the web at theschmidt.org. 
And that is the California Report for Friday, July 2nd. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and happy 4th of July weekend. Nevada County Public Health reports the significantly more contagious COVID-19 Delta variant has been found in Nevada County. Six cases were reported to the Nevada County Public Health Department on June 30th from specimens collected between June 3rd and June 15th. The Delta variant is spread much more easily from person to person than the original virus and is anticipated to become the most common variant in the U.S. Nevada County Public Health Officer Dr. Scott Kellerman says our best defense is to become immunized and warns if you have previously been infected from COVID-19, you are not necessarily protected against the Delta variant. Nevada County Public Health urges people to continue following public health guidance to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and all variants. This includes wearing face coverings in indoor public settings and becoming vaccinated. Let's hear a collective round of cheers. Nevada City Art Walk has returned after a pandemic hiatus. The first Friday Art Walk in downtown Nevada City is currently underway until 9 tonight. Local artists, merchants, and musicians set up shops, exhibitions, and performances on Commercial, Broad, and York Street. Following the Art Walk, Tumbledown House will perform in the Osborne Woods Hall at the Miner's Foundry this evening at 8 p.m. If jazz, blues, tango, and groove is your thing, Tumbledown House is who you want to see. The band is known for their fiery horn section and rollicking ragtime piano. Downtown Grass Valley has a weekend of 4th of July activities planned for you. Tomorrow, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., head downtown for a pancake breakfast, carnival games, face painting, and food vendors. Rewind Press will be performing their signature 50s rock with a special appearance by the king himself, Elvis. Head back to town the following day for the 4th of July. A motorized parade will pass through Grass Valley along East Main and Mill Street from 9 to 10 a.m. Unfortunately, the fairgrounds will be closed for the 4th of July celebrations this year. However, the city of Grass Valley has planned a fireworks display which can be seen in the sky over Highway 49 and the Dorsey Overpass in Grass Valley. The celebration will start around 9.30 p.m. And while we're on the subject, an important reminder concerning fireworks. As reported in the Union, GV City Manager Tim Kaiser would like everyone to know fireworks are not permitted for individual use. Nevada County Consolidated Fire Chief Jim Turner adds, No individuals may use fireworks in an unincorporated county. It is also illegal to possess or transport fireworks. And to really drive home the point, because our county is a tinderbox and these people are trying to protect it, Public Information Officer for CAL FIRE, Mary Eldridge, says, Even if someone buys a safe and sane firework product within California or a neighboring state, that does not mean the firework can be used at home if the person lives in a jurisdiction where it is prohibited. This Saturday at 8 p.m., the Miners Foundry presents The Losing Streaks. The Sacramento natives began their garage punk band nearly two decades ago and are bringing that chemistry to the Osborne Woods Hall stage tomorrow night. This July 4th, the funky Celtic String Quartet, three times through, will entertain at Grass Valley Brewing Company from 3 to 6 p.m. And now for regional weather. In Grass Valley in Nevada City, tonight, clear skies with a low around 65. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 93. 
In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, isolated thunderstorms, then mostly clear with a low around 53. Tomorrow will be sunny, then isolated thunderstorms again with a high near 85. The National Weather Service has issued a fire weather watch for the Truckee, Tahoe, Reno area, in effect from Saturday evening through Sunday morning. Thunderstorms may cause the potential for dry lightning. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear skies with a low around 60. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 94. Coming up next, listen to Felton Pruitt speak to Beth Moore from the Wild Eye Pub about keeping their restaurant and music venue rolling during the past year and a half, including redoing their business model by moving into their back parking lot next to Wolf Creek. We're talking with Beth Moore, who, along with her husband, David Kuzora, run the Wild Eye Pub in Grass Valley. Thanks for speaking with us, Beth. Thank you, Felton. It's nice to join you here. Let's get some history here now. How long ago was it that you and your husband purchased the property for the Wild Eye Pub? Uh, it's Wild Eye, just the one eye. Okay. And uh, we bought it in October 2017. We closed escrow then after um, over a year of trying to do so. And, you know, it was kind of the child of uh, the former chef who ran the Swiss house and owned it for 30 years before us. And so I think there was some emotional detachment time that was needed then but eventually we worked out an arrangement that worked for everybody and uh, and then we were closed for eight months for renovations primarily to make the health department happy with codes after 30 years of no upgrades and we finally got to open in June 2018. And things were rolling along really cool and then all of a sudden the beginning of 2020 comes and COVID hits and you had to uh, readapt your business model didn't you? We did. And it was interesting um, when we started, when we opened in mid 2018, we kind of bumped along for a little while and figured out how to do the music and the food and all the things we were doing. And uh, by 2019, we did 283 live shows in 2019 in that full year, the one full only non-COVID year we've had. And uh, so we were flying along pretty well by spring 2020. By mid-March, we were booked all the way through until early June, um, solid every single night. And we've had belly dancing and flamenco and authors and Ubalit and the poetry crashers doing monthly poetry and mostly a lot of live music, comedy, all kinds of good stuff. And then, yes, that was a sudden rather rude interruption in our, in our flow. (laughs) I think you guys adapted really well. Now, many businesses Once the COVID hit and everybody couldn't go inside, everybody moved outside. You were fortunate enough in that you had a big back parking lot. We not only had a big back parking lot, I mean, we can, we have parking on all four sides. And as Grass Valley Rotary has so well proven, we can get about 38 cars in and around our place. We hosted them every Monday for about a year and a half until COVID and they're coming back in July. So we're so happy about that. But during COVID, You know, every six weeks, the rules would change or every few weeks. And they'd say, now you can be outside only. Now you can do takeout only. Now you can be half inside. Oh, now you can only be outside again in January when it's, you know, 35 degrees every day and raining. It was pretty awful. And I know that so many businesses really didn't have a good way to adapt to that. 
we had two things, well, a bunch of things going for us, but two, primarily, I just retired as a special ed high school teacher in uh, 2019. And the name of the game when you do special ed is adapt and accommodate. And so we said, okay, here's our challenge. How do we deal with this challenge? And that's very much what special ed staff does as a, on, the, on the daily. But the other thing that we really had going is 100 feet of Wolf Creek, right out. That's the back border of our property outside. And so what was formerly 10 parking spaces, which turned out to give cars the best view in the house, has now become a seating area for us. So we put tables and chairs. We collected on free local sites or inexpensive local sites, um, glass-topped patio tables, which, by the way, we're always looking for more of, um, that can live out there and don't seem to get stolen like a lot of our stuff did. So we've had to figure out what can we put out there that we don't have to drag out every day that doesn't get stolen and put canopies out and, um, and get power out there. And we've had a few months now of really wonderful music and dining. And we did that last summer and fall during the periods of times we were allowed to by the COVID rules. But it's worked out really well for us. And now we're looking at, okay, how do we invest some, some time and some effort and focus into making that a more permanent placement out there. We also had the great good fortune of just before COVID, four months before COVID, Grass Valley, which has been wisely learning how to redevelop and give life back to Wolf Creek all along, uh, has been building out the trail connections. And so they had just completed the trail from the back of the nearby North Star Mining Museum all the way out to the Wolf Creek co-housing up, up past Rayleigh's. Uh, after that giant sinkhole had happened and they took all that back and they reconfigured it. And in doing so, they launched a big parking lot right there by the mining museum, a public parking lot with 40 spots. So while we just moved into 10 of our former parking spaces, there's newly now public parking, a two minute walk from our place, which, you know, I mean, tell me anywhere else you can go in grass Valley <laughs> or in that city where parking is only two minutes away. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell people that we're talking with Beth Moore from the Wild Eye Pub in Grass Valley. And I have to attest that it's very nice out in your back parking lot with your canopies and your tables out there by Wolf Creek and the bands playing. It's just a lovely atmosphere you've created. Thank you very much. And while we share that and we've really enjoyed it and and definitely seen its value as the lifesaver that it's been, we have to give credit for it saving us and, and helping us get through covid Besides community, besides the people who showed up and handed us stimulus money, besides all the, the love and care of our community, definitely having that untapped asset that we went, oh, hey, wait a minute, we have to go outside. We're, we're getting kicked to the curb by, by the emergency health protocols. For us, getting kicked to the creek side turned out to be a great thing, and it, and it saved us. But as nice as it is out there, it's a little campy. And we're trying to look at how to make it a little more comfortable and a little more stable. Um, today, we're excited to be, uh, we've got plans to meet a local hardscape company and talk about uh, maybe putting some little pavers down along the patio area, you know, the, the area nearest the creek, and how to uh, maybe use um, some landscape boxes with trees or vines in them to create some late afternoon shade. 
Let me ask you, did you folks get any grants from the state to help you through this? We did get a small grant from the state a few months ago for 15000 We immediately gave 11000 back to the state for overdue sales tax, and we gave PG&E 3000 So it was kind of nice to get it in one hand and hand it back out in the other hand. We were one of the very lucky recent recipients of the federal Restaurant Revitalization Fund grant, and that was a, a fairly substantial amount. It didn't cover our losses for 2020 compared to 2019, but it went a long way. And they very wisely, in, in the application for that grant, asked specific questions like, did you follow all the safety protocols? And we were a resounding yes with lots of exclamation marks. We were pretty pretty solid on that. We, you know, we had masks on for a good solid 14 months until we got vaccinated and the rules started changing and, and all that. And we did all the distancing and all the, followed all those rules and, and we're grateful to others in our community who did. But another question it asked is, what do you plan to do with this money? And things like paying back bills and getting caught up and all that and investing in outdoors, outdoor dining area. So that's a big focus for us that is taking care of, you know, the back bills. We paid a hefty property tax overdue bill yesterday and we paid back PG&E and we did all that good stuff. But but now we're going, all right, let's build out that back area and make it so that it's safe and stable and um, a more comfortable setting. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. And our calendar is already mostly full out into August. We, there's a few dates left in August, and we talk with people every day who are trying to get things booked. And um, we're so happy the music is coming back. And we're also working on now bringing back some theater, bringing back some comedy, um, bringing back some authors and poets, and because we love having that mix as well. We're talking with Beth Moore from the Wild Eye Pub in Grass Valley. Beth, how will people find out more information? I know you have a website. Tell people about it. Yeah, our website is probably the best place because the calendar is always current there. Uh, if you go to wildeyepub, all one word, dot com, so wildeyepub.com, the, right on the homepage, you can find our, our calendar there, and it goes off into the future. You can see everything that's coming up. Uh, including Sunday, July 18th, Rita Hosking and Sean Fetter are coming back. And otherwise, you can always go to our Facebook page, and um, usually closer to each event, we've got Facebook events out on there, and, and we're also on Instagram. I know you like folks to call in for reservations. What's that phone number? 446-6668. They can email us as well at info at wildipub.com. We love reservations. It just makes your service better. We've been talking with Beth Moore from the Wild Eye Pub in Grass Valley. Thanks for all your information and your success there. We wish you the best. Thank you very much, Felton. We appreciate you guys at KVMR. That's your KVMR newscast for tonight, Friday, July 2nd, 2021. We get support from Mint of Grass Valley, offering local designers and women's apparel, shoes, jewelry, and accessories, carrying Pendleton, Vans, Obey, and others. Keeping the bills local and on the hill, Mint is next to Good Times on Mill Street in Grass Valley. 
Stick around, coming up next at 6.30 is the California Report magazine. We don't normally associate poets and musicians with public health. However, former U.S. Poet Laureate Juan Felipe Herrera and famed ranchera singer Carmen Cristina Moreno are spearheading a vaccination campaign aimed at the Central Valley Latino population. Then, a new chapter in the ongoing series on remembering Californians who've died from COVID-19. And the pandemic has given us all a chance to better appreciate our neighborhood wildlife. The California Report magazine closes tonight's segment with a look at the symbiotic relationship between birds and farmers. Then, at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening, and for all of our sakes, leave the fireworks to the professionals this 4th of July. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Thank <laughs> you.